Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, y'all. <clears throat> Welcome back. Hour three here. Sports Talk Saturday. We're chugging along. We've been talking about Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, young rookie quarterbacks, their best fits. Uh, And now we're going to talk more about this Kyler Murray situation with somebody with the finger on the pulse, maybe a little bit better than us East Coasters here, talking about Kyler Murray, this quarterback situation playing out in Arizona. Luckily, as a Bills fan, you've got your guy locked up, and there's really no worries. He seems happy. Uh, There's really been no animosity between he, the team, the fan base. Everybody's on the Josh Allen train, but what's going on in Arizona? It looks like Kyler Murray wants what Josh Allen has already gotten going into year five, is he going to get it going into year four like Josh Allen did last offseason? Alex Clancy joins the program on the Western Hotline to help us talk through all of that. Alex, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Uh, morning for you, afternoon for me. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get into this Kyler Murray, the, the nuts and bolts of this situation, because for whatever reason, it feels like we are a drop to the media that we want. We don't want children. We want adults in the room, uh, you know, leak away from feeling like we're on track to being in a Baker Mayfield type situation in Arizona. Am I way off on thinking that, like, there is clearly something amiss between the franchise and the player and his representatives? And where do the fan base maybe lie in this? I don't know. Should we call it a staring contest? Should we call it like two guys with their two sides with their guns drawn, like an old Western duel? Like, where are we in this situation, and how would you best categorize what the fan base, the temperature of the fan base is right now? Yeah, so I'll answer the second one first uh, with the front office and and Kyler Murray and his agent. They're living in two different. Um, times on this earth one is in the mesozoic era like the arizona cardinals brass front office where they do nothing via social media they're very old school in that regard and you know eric burkhart and kyler murray they're doing things in the new age via social media and the stubbornness of the cardinals front office is showing in plain sight um regarding the baker mayfield thing i don't think so i think kyler murray's shown at least you know i think he's shown more in his first three years than baker did um he'll get credit for taking the Cardinals from a relegated team in 2018 to five wins, then to eight, then to 11, regardless of, you know, the, the, the downturn during the second half of, of the last two seasons. You know, I, I think all in all, this is just a hard play by an agent trying to make a name for himself and 
and and a guy that really isn't handling this properly from an agent perspective, in my opinion. I you know I I think what is a little unfair to Kyler is that he sort of gets pinned. Alex, as the guy that or the catalyst for the second half collapse last year. And I think if you look at the bigger picture, and if you'd want to maybe stare at the coach a little bit more, Cliff Kingsbury, his record in the second half of seasons dating back to his time at Texas Tech, it's not been good. Like he he has been sort of the captain of a sinking ship every time they hit the halfway mark of a season. And and I wonder. Is the franchise appears to be on the side of we like Kyler, we believe he's a franchise quarterback, but we're just not ready to pay him. We need to see more. That seems to be the position of the team, and I'm wondering when the franchise is going to start to look at the head coach and ask the same question. Nate, you know I love coming on here, and that is exactly why um, <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury never should have been hired. Um, and this is one question that I continue, and, and that's not. Yes, there are facts involved where he comes in, they win five, eight, and eleven. If you're looking just at the blanket facts and you don't and you didn't watch one second of football, you just saw the record at the end of the year, you'd be like, Oh, this dude's pretty good. He he deserves a five year extension through twenty twenty seven, including the GM. But if you look closer, I continue to ask this question and people who follow me on Twitter, I've gotten a lot of unfollows because I've asked this question. If, Cliff, if the offense isn't the strength of the Arizona Cardinals, why is Cliff Kingsbury the head coach? The strength of the Arizona Cardinals is not the offense. It's been the defense. The defense, if you look closely last year, was the catalyst for many of the, of the road wins that they had. It started in Tennessee, you know, Chicago, Cleveland, et cetera. Cliff Kingsbury didn't coach in Cleveland. It was the, one of the best games the Cardinals played that year because of COVID protocols. So I think that – Kyler Murray is winning in spite of Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kyler Murray isn't growing as much because of Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. This isn't a Josh Allen, Brian Dable situation. Look right, what Brian Dable right. did to that kid. He was, he was on the path to be a 6'5 Eli Manning with the amount of turnovers he had in the first two seasons, and then he blossomed with the right tutelage and stability from the coaching staff in the front office. Kyler Murray doesn't have that. So, yeah, I think it's a little unfair. DeAndre Hopkins went down. Um, Steve Kime didn't build a roster that was deep. He built a roster with names that was top heavy, which has been his calling card ever since he became GM in 2013. So answer me this, and we'll get into the draft a little bit here too, because I think that's going to be an important aspect of this entire con uh, of this entire conversation is what they ultimately do in the draft. I want to rewind a little bit. And we talked about Cliff Kingsbury's role in the failures here of this team, because this was a team that going into the playoffs, how about this? Let's rewind even more going into week 10, this is the, la the last undefeated team in football. They look like Kyler Murray is, I mean, I, I penciled him in as, his, as the MVP favorite. Um, he looked, they looked like the league's best team. And then by the time the playoffs came around, not only did they not look like the team's the league's best team, they looked like the third best team in their division. Frankly, they probably were right on par with the Seahawks and how they looked to end this season. So... I, I th we, we talk about Kingsbury and his role in this. We talk about Kyler Murray, where he fits in this. Steve Kimes, another guy that I do think has earned a little bit of criticism in this, Alex. I mean, this is a guy that has drafted some very questionable, some head-scratching moves in the draft. Um, a guy that, you know, traded up and drafted Josh Rosen and then got rid of him a year later. I I would think that if for whatever reason, Alex, that, that Kyler Murray is not the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals next year or in 2023, 
I might be looking at Kime and Cliff Kingsbury and asking, I mean, definitely Kingsbury, but Kime, I might say, you've rotated through two top 10 picks at the quarterback position in four years. I don't know that I'm giving you the third opportunity. And frankly, Alex, he's had more than two opportunities to find the franchise quarterback. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've been stewing in, that I've been bathing in for the last, you know, 10 years covering the Cardinals in Phoenix. Um, Put it this way. My dad, not a Cardinals fan, okay? I do the Locked on Cardinals every day. He watches because, you know, he likes Kyler Murray, and he's a big sports fan, but he doesn't like the Cardinals specifically. I texted him that – or I called him and told him, oh, uh, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury just got five-year extensions. He stopped what he was doing, and he screamed in my ear through the phone, you've got to be bleeping kidding me. So if he knows <laughs> that that was the wrong move because of the ineptitude of Steve Kime over the years – then I think everybody else should. And Steve Kime has done things. He traded for DeAndre Hopkins. There's rumblings that that was McNair to Bidwell, and Steve Kime had nothing to do with it. Um, he brought in J.J. Watt. That's great. Two-year, 40 mil. J.J. Watt is, I think that was one of the better signings. But what he cannot do, what he has the inability to do, is to build out a full roster, mm. a deep roster. He has the inability to pay players the proper amount. He gave Teron Matthew way too much money in the safety position years ago, and then went back to him and asked him for a pay cut. Ron Matthews said, screw you, and they let him go. He didn't say screw you, I mean, but like he sure, said, no yeah. way, and, and let him go. And then Ron Matthews looks bad when Steve Kime shouldn't have given him that much money to begin with. Like, the dude just doesn't – he doesn't draft well at all. He's the lowest-rated draft GM percentage-wise since he took over in 2013. DJ Humphreys was the first first-round pick that he gave a second contract to. Like, I, I mean, it's – I've known this for a while, and, and the thing that bothered me the most – I know I'm going long-winded here, so I apologize. No, this is, this is good. About it, <laughs> the thing that bothers me the most, and this is – I use the word gamble lightly, but what I saw in, after the 2018 season, Steve Wilkes gets fired. Steve Kime should have been fired. He wasn't. Hmm. So what I saw when he hired Cliff Kingsbury and drafted Kyler Murray number one overall was a man – gambling on the future of an organization to save his keister because if it didn't work he'd get fired the cardinals would be in ruins for years after and that's what bothers me the most he leveraged his position in my opinion to go full on hail mary and sign a coach who wasn't even looking at head coaching jobs in the nfl because nobody was thinking about giving him one when he when he went to usc and you're drafting kyler murray who has worked out i think he's i think he's going to be a star but if it didn't work out, it wouldn't really mean anything on him, but it would jettison an organization. Yeah. And that's where I'm bothered the most about Steve Kahn. Locked on Cardinals host Alex Clancy here on the Western Hotline. We're talking about the now turbulent offseason of the Arizona Cardinals with this new, and maybe it's not new, and maybe maybe new is the wrong word, but this most recent um coverage of the battle between Kyler Murray wanting a, a contract extension and what appears to be the team ignoring it completely is is that a, a fair way to characterize this Alex is because it, it sort of feels like Kyler Murray wants an extension the team should probably want to lock him up so I, I had this take yesterday and I, I want to know what you think of it if you're Kyler Murray I get why you want to get locked up right now but 
if I were his agent, I would tell Kyler Murray that he should wait until Lamar Jackson signs his contract because whatever Lamar makes, I'm going to want to probably make a million and a half to two million more per year than Lamar. Whether or not people think that that's worth it and whether or not Kyler should make more than Lamar Jackson, that's kind of irrelevant. If I'm his, if I'm his agent, I'm saying we're not making any moves until Lamar Jackson gets signed. But if you are the Cardinals – you should be looking to sign Kyler before Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, at least in my mind. So it's kind of weird that each side feels like they're mistiming the strategy of this contract negotiation. Yeah, I agree. I think Kyler Murray's out, outgrown his agent. I think he's outgrown his head coach. And Steve Keim and Michael Bidwell would rather win a urinating contest than make the right move. I mean, I, I feel like that's – because, I mean, they'll save money – if they extend him now, I don't know if the Lamar Jackson thing necessarily computes just because what's there is between 42 and $44 million when you get to 42 or 44. Yeah, million. Right. Like, right. I don't think personally, Kyler Murray's not the best quarterback in the NFL. He may not be top eight right now from week one to week 17. So I don't understand not too often. I don't understand why the next quarterback always has to get paid more than one before. Yeah. I don't get that. Okay. And when you can extend him, like, look what Deshaun Watson got, obviously before all the offseason stuff, he got four year. I think he was making thirty eight. Like he he didn't get the mat. You know he didn't get what more than Patrick Mahomes got. You know so it's like right now the best course of action for the Cardinals is to is to extend him. If you don't think he's the guy, then trade him. Yeah. But I don't think that's the thing. It's like when you're dating somebody and you're like, hmm, do I really like this person? And then you look at their DMs. Look at the rest of the NFL. <laughs> the rest of the NFL twenty five teams would trade three first-round picks Easily. and a player for Kyler Murray tomorrow. Yep. So maybe understand what you have, stop being so hard-headed, pay the guys, save some money in the long run, and have some damn stability from the quarterback position. Yeah, it's it's I I love the thought of like looking around the league and and kind of understanding what you have. If you have a quarterback that teams would trade three first-round picks for, you should sign him to a contract extension. <laughs> You know, like if, if that's the conversation we're having, it it seems very black and white on the surface. And like, you know, and, and I think this is a good question, too, because thinking about the weapons for Kyler Murray, especially after this offseason, they lose uh, Edmonds, who I think is probably going to be in, to, in line for like a James Conner breakout. Um, they Obviously, the Cardinals go ahead and they, they choose Conner over Edmonds, re-sign him. I think that was the right move, at, you know, at least in my mind, Conner's looked like the real deal last year. And I think a guy that is a true top 10 player at his position. Um, but then, you know, like they re-sign A.J. Green. Where does that leave a guy like for me? And, and maybe I'm I'm selfishly going to ask you this question because I just got offered a trade in Dynasty for Rondale Moore. And I'm wondering whether or not I should do it because <laughs> I like the player a lot. And I'm and obviously with no Christian Kirk, it feels like Rondell Moore is maybe stepping into the moment of being a true number two wide receiver. Where do you stand on the weapons for Kyler Murray going into the season? Uh, TBD? I don't know. I mean, like, you know, the Traeger and, uh, and Warren Sharp both have the Cardinals taking Jahan Dotson at 23 overall in their mock drafts, and those are the two most in tune, especially Peter Schrager, with what the Cardinals have done over the years. Rondell Moore... Like Christian Kirk, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. I think Christian Kirk's going to blow up this year. Mm. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury knows how to use receivers at the NFL level. I don't know if Rondell Moore, if they thought that Rondell Moore, that over the line of scrimmage was lava last year, but they didn't use him. <laughs> you know, it's like, like there was, he had one broken coverage, long touchdown catch against Minnesota. He had a Kyler Murray running behind the line of scrimmage three or four times and finding him on third and long where he found a spot in the zone. Like, that's what we saw from Rondell Moore. We saw some end arounds. We saw one game with, you know, a Jarvis Landry in Miami line, 11 catches for 65 yards or something like that. Yep. 
I don't know if they know what they're doing. And that's the thing. I, I don't know that. I don't know if it has something to do with Kyler Murray. I don't know if Rondo Moore uh, just hasn't caught up to the speed of the NFL yet. But what I do know is we're going to find out quickly, and I don't know what you got offered in your dynasty trade, but I think that um, the actual trade itself would would uh, would need to be pronounced before I can make a decision. Okay, so let me, let me just give you know. the trade. Let me just give you the trade, right? So I'm trading two-thirds in this draft, the second pick in the third round and the sixth pick in the third round, Hunter Renfro for Rondale Moore and the first pick of the second round. I feel like I like the trade because listen, I'm a big I'm a big Hunter Renfro fan, but let's not kid ourselves. He's the number three option now. Where last year yeah. he was probably the number one option. So I'd be trading with his value high. I'd be trading high and buying low on Rondell White, and I get to move up to the basically get a first round pick out of it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of trading late round picks in Dynasty also because you're not the chance of you rostering. You're gonna have to draft somebody that you have rostered. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that's a 50 50. I'm not going to say one way or the other because I don't want to be responsible for saying the wrong thing. So <laughs> that's a mess with dynasty team. That's but I mean, fair. Like, but you got to think, like, and I said TBD about the weapons because you're right. James Conner um, showed a lot, and what I've tweeted out all year, he needs 20 to 25 touches a game. Once you get 25 to 30, he's going to break down because he's a human being yeah. who got, I call it Arian Fostered, when you give somebody too many carries in too short of an amount of time. He got Arian Fostered in Pittsburgh like they do with everybody. Yep. And he needs to touch the ball 18 to 20 times a game, be the 50-50 back with somebody else, and he's 100% worth the money, even if he's only touching the ball 18, 20 times a game. And I'm hoping they'll draft a guy like Brees Hall in the second round or, you know, Kenneth Walker, some guy that can carry the load um, if James Conner's hobbled in TBD because I don't think – I know you're going to ask me about the draft in a minute. I don't think they should draft a wide receiver at 23, but it's Steve Keim – and whatever the rational thing to do is in the first one, he does the opposite because he thinks he's the smartest person in the room. So I'm assuming they're going to draft a young wide receiver at 23 to kind of round out that room. And who knows? They may sign Julio Jones. They may sign Jarvis Landry. I have no idea. I hope they don't sign Julio Jones because I'm, I'm, I'm going to execute this trade right after I hang up the phone with you. So I, I'd, I'd really, I'm really hoping he's the number two wide receiver there. Alex, I appreciate you, boss. Thanks for the insight. We, we appreciate it. It's been an interesting topic we've talked about in the station for the last couple of days. Uh, when your quarterback's locked up and everybody loves him a lot, you start to want to have to talk about the other guys having issues across the league. So having your insight uh, and, and, and kind of listening to you banter on about this was entertaining. So I appreciate you, my man. Enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend. Tell the folks where they can find your work um, up at Lockdown Cards. Yep, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner and find uh, Locked on Cardinals. Just Google it for and available on all podcast flat- platforms and um, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Locked on Arizona Cardinals. Awesome, brother. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the upcoming draft, and I'm sure you and I will be uh, we'll be chatting before the season starts real soon. You got it, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. Alex Clancy there, Locked on Cards on the Wester Hotline, talking some Cardinals and some Kyler Murray. I, I, Zach, should I do this trade? Because here's the problem. I always worry about trading with Chris Trapasso. Because he knows more than me, so, that's fair. Yeah. But I feel like I'm getting, I'm I'm getting a 21 year old player and the number one pick in the second round. That's a first round pick, effectively. It's a 13th overall pick. Um, I have six. I need another young quarterback. So I'm what I might try to do is package six and one and move up to the move up a little bit. Uh, maybe add a player in here. But wh- whoever. They, 
I'm, I think I'm just going to do it because I kind of offered the trade with only one third round pick and he threw the other third round pick in there and I feel like I'm fine with that. I, I think you've talked yourself into it. I, does, does it sound yeah. like that? Yeah. Okay. Like if I told you no, you'd be pretty disappointed. Bruce Nolan, speaking of Bruce Nolan, we, uh, we're going to replay Bruce Nolan who was on with Joe DiBiase yesterday in the Extra Point Show. He's going to be really mad when he sees this trade go through because he's been begging me for a trade for the better part. Like he sends me expiring trade offers on Sleeper three times a day and I just don't respond to him. And he's like, what? He's like, I'm your, we talk every day and you can't respond to any of my trade requests but that's neither here nor there bruce nolan of uh buffalo rumblings podcast network he's my co-host on food for thought and he also is the host of the bruce exclusive podcast he was on yesterday with joe dbs we're gonna play that for you when we come back here on wgr worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, welcome back. Our final two segments here of Sports Talk Saturday. Going to replay for you uh, Bruce Nolan, who is on, who is my co-host uh, for our Food for Thought podcast. He's also the uh, ex- the podcast host for the Bruce exclusive podcast. Both can be found and heard on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. He was with Joe DiBiase yesterday on the Extra Point Show. So here is the first part of that interview. Uh, Joe DiBiase back here on the Extra Point Show, joined by Bruce Nolan, one of our favorites uh, of Buffalo Rumblings, also the Food for Thought podcast. You and Nate got Connor Rogers on tonight? 
Yeah, we got Connor Rogers on. Got to take a scope around the AFC East, see how we feel about the Jets and the Dolphins, and whether or not some motion on the personnel front for the Dolphins actually does make them someone we actually need to pay attention to this year. All right, I had him on, on earlier in the week. He was uh, more negative on Zach Wilson than I think I was imagining. Although I'm not on the I'm not on the high end on him either. I'm not on the high end on him either. I think that when you look at the opportunity in front of Zach Wilson and you find yourself saying, well, Josh Allen did it, that's probably not a good place to be if mm-hmm. you're the Jets. I think that your hope is that you're going to see something that was an outlier recently in proximity to you with Josh Allen, and you're going to see it again. But yeah. the reason it's an outlier is because it's an outlier. Right. Uh, Bruce Nolan, by the way, Buffalo Rumblings, at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter, if you're looking to follow him on social media. Uh, I'm going to start with the the Kyler Murray saga uh, with you, Bruce. Is it it easy to see that this is just kind of a flex and that he's looking for the contract and he'll get paid? Or I am legitimately believing that he could be traded. And, of course, you know, the way this offseason goes, that means he, of course, will be traded to the AFC somewhere. Yeah, inevitably he'll get traded to a quarterback needy team in the AFC, and all of a sudden the Steelers will swoop out of nowhere and move, and we'll be like, oh, okay, here we go again. But when you look at Kyler Murray and you look at the very odd behavior that's happened so far this offseason around him, in and of itself, one of these things isolated probably wouldn't mean much. So the whole taking all the photos off your Instagram, okay, by itself, not really that important. The statement that was made openly from his agent, Eric Burkhart, not super weird on its own, but kind of weird. But everything in combination, including the constant threat of the baseball thing hanging in the background, the fact that he's pushing it so hard this early into his career, which a lot of other quarterbacks haven't done, the fact that the quarterback market has really kind of accelerated over the last couple of weeks, the fact that we saw a five-year fully guaranteed contract, which we hadn't seen so far in the NFL, all of these things in combination make me feel more likely that Kyler Murray would not be playing in Arizona than I would have felt if any one of these things had happened in a vacuum. Yeah. Houston I've thought about for him. Uh, Tennessee, because they could split up the Tannehill dead cap figure this year and next year, but there aren't a lot of landing spots left uh, in the AFC. I think Carolina and the NFC, Philly, like those are the teams that are desperate that have draft picks. I think that you would probably think that they're uh, – that, that, that would chase him if if he does get traded. Um, Bruce, I want to talk, uh, of course, Bills with you here. And the, the Stephon Gilmore signing from today, he goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Josina Anderson did say that the Bills were one of the teams that showed interest. Where are you at right now with corner? Are you team corner in round one? Are you just get somebody in the first three rounds? I don't really care where. Or you know, I, I guess we're running out of free agents, right? Like Joe Hayden might be the only reasonable idea left. Yeah, you look at Joe Hayden, you look at Bryce Callahan, who's still out there, and then, of course, the name that's on everybody's lips is James Bradbury because of the connection that Brandon Bean has with new Giants GM Joe Shane. So you're thinking, okay, if he gets traded or released, I'm sure they'll have an eye on him there. But you're kind of, like you said, running out of names. And it's kind of weird because historically, when you think about the way that Brandon Bean has handled his business, it has always been about filling those holes before the draft so that when the first round pick comes around, you go, I don't know, we could go a lot of different places with this pick. Mm-hmm. And so this is the year where there's a stark glaring hole for the Bills where there not usually is. And it feels like he's been sniffing around that quarters, but it just hasn't quite happened. It hasn't quite lined up this year the way it has in previous years. Now, I don't 
means they have to spend 25 on it because there's a circumstance where it gets to 25 and there's a markedly better player at receiver. There's a markedly better player at a different position that I would still feel very comfortable drafting. However, if you told me that Cam Lewis and Dane Jackson are your opening day starters on the outside for the Buffalo Bills, I'm going to be nervous about that. So for me, knowing that you don't really know if Tredavious White's going to be ready right, right, right away, I think it's something that has to be addressed at least reasonably high. Not necessarily really high, but we know that need is a tiebreaker for general managers. We know this. That if you have similarly graded players, need can be a tiebreaker. And I'm hard-pressed to imagine there won't be a similarly graded cornerback at some point in the first two days of the draft. What is your favorite idea for round one? I obviously depends on who's on the board. I am all the way in on Jameson Williams if he falls. I am all the way in on Jameson Williams if he falls through the, through the injury history. I don't think he's going to. I think the most likely fall candidate when it comes to medical is someone who's been kind of whispering around the, the scene a little bit that Andrew Booth Jr. might fall because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And I've seen scenarios where he fell completely out of the first round. You put out a Caleb Farley situation on our hands. And Caleb Farley, if he wasn't caught by the Titans – could have fallen because the Titans have a history of taking players that have injury history. If you look at Farley, if you look at Jeffrey Simmons, they're completely fine letting the players who are injured fall to them. So if the Titans don't take Caleb Farley, he probably falls even farther. So I think we have that situation on our hands with Andrew Booth in the first round where, hey, maybe he's around at 25, and then the question becomes, do you really want to have Tredavious White with injury coming on that situation and also have injury questions with Andrew Booth? They might feel more comfortable going someone like Tyler Gordon, if Trent McDuffie is there, even if they have concerns about the arm length, maybe he's there. I think a lot of people are warming up to Traylon Burks at 25. Yep. And then another thing that keeps popping up, if Devontae Wyatt is somehow there at 25, I know the Bills have invested a lot in their defensive line. That's too good of a value for me to pass up. More from Buffalo Rumblings podcast host Bruce Nolan on the other side here on WGR. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, welcome back. Our final segment where we're going to play for you the rest of the Bruce Nolan interview yesterday on the Extra Point Show with Joe DiBiase. Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings on the West Her Hotline. Uh, the, the receiver position, are, you, you mentioned Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams there. I'm not necessarily needing them to draft one around one. It is absolutely, undoubtedly, my favorite idea for them at 25. But they do need to do something, don't they? Because while they have four guys... 
if you include Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie behind Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, you might look at that and say, okay, I'm, I'm good, right? I got four guys. I don't need to do anything. But, like, Bruce, they are one injury away from Davis or Diggs to what as an outside wide receiver? Because Crowder and McKenzie are not guys I think you want filling in that role. It's kind of out of position for them. And then I'm at Jake Kumaro, or I'm hoping Isaiah Hodgins finally shows up and does something. Like, to me... I feel like they do need to do something behind Davis and Diggs as like an outside wide receiver. Absolutely. And ideally, I'd love to get someone who had flex from a slot and outside standpoint. If Jahan Dotson's there at 25, I'm, I'm excited about that possibility because I think he has flex to be able to play the slot and also has the release package to be able to operate on the outside. But like you said, you're a hamstring pull away from going, uh, where are you at? And even if you have faith, even if you're an Isaiah Hodgins truther, probably still think he's a big slot player you probably still think he's david nelson much more Mm. so than an outside receiver so you are literally asking for jake kumaro and i'm just i'm not comfortable with that so quarterback and wide receiver are right up there on the top of my needs list and if you can find someone who gives you that inside outside flex then you can you can do some fun things with stefan Diggs and gabriel davis and you can have a little bit of of enjoyable outcomes there uh, I think that Chris Olave is a popular pick in a lot of mocks. I don't think he's going to be there at 25. And I understand every year somebody says something about, oh, you don't think they're going to be there this fall. But there's too many receiver-needy teams in the teams that could grab someone like that, the Saints, or right there if they don't trade up for a quarterback, which I think would be ill-advised in this particular class. But there's too many teams that need a route runner technician like Chris Olave. I know it's been popular recently to kind of bash on him for his lack of breaking tackles, but I don't think anyone really complains about Stephon Diggs, and I think they're very similar players. So if Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson's still there, I'm, I'm all about it. What about running back for you? I'm guessing they'll do something else, but I guess they also don't have to. Uh, would you be done with Zach Moss at this point and just ride Singletary and Duke Johnson, or would you still be done with Zach Moss and say, all right, we like Duke Johnson maybe as the third guy, and we want to add someone like Isaiah Spiller in the second or third round. He was in town this week on a visit. Um, is Are you thinking about that position a lot for kind of the, the mid to the little bit upper rounds? Absolutely. I think you, you, you constantly need to have an ability to restock with cheap labor at a position that you don't want to invest significant money into. So regardless of whether or not you're a running back in the first round person or not, you're probably not a – devote tons of money to the position. And you're certainly not a devote tons of money to Devin Singletary, who's going to the last year of his contract. So when you look at this situation, you go, okay, let's assume for a second that you want to make sure you have a rotating wall of bodies on that depth chart. Then you, you need at least another body because otherwise next year it's Zach Moss. And that's it. Right. That, that, that's, your, that's your running back stable. And one of the biggest surprises for me over the last couple of years has been Zach Moss's vision, which has not been up to snuff. He was one of the worst running backs in the league in rushing yards over expectation last year. And that's primarily a vision trait when it comes to being able to squeeze every single possible yard you can out of a run. And I know that the Buffalo Bills have historically wanted to be a zone-based rushing attack. And then at the end of the year, last year, they kind of migrated away from it as they started to give the ball to Devin Singletary as more of a primary back. But I don't think that's where they're most comfortable. I don't think it's where they want to be. And with the addition of Aaron Cromer as an offensive line coach, I still think they're looking at trying to make this more of a zone rushing offense. And you haven't seen the best Devin Singletary from zone rushes and the ability to threaten the outside 
of the edges of the defense. So I think you need to get somebody who's got better vision, has the ability to make a cut and go. I think you look at players like Rashad White who are popular in that. I think that um, if you look at players like Kenneth Walker, I know you probably have to take him in a second to make it work, but these are players who have the ability to find the necessary front side and backside cuts to be able to explode and get meaningful yardage out of zone rushes. And I think that you probably have to add a body in that spot. I'm not saying you have to add one high, but I think stylistically and from a number standpoint, you got to add a body. So dig signs, and inevitably we move on to the next guy about if there's any contract questions. That's Jordan Poyer. He gave us a lot of reason on that day, changing agents, a couple of tweets from both him and deleted tweets from his wife. And it's reasonable, right? It's reasonable to expect that Poyer would want to get paid. He's been underpaid for his entire career. He's going to be 32 years old, and he's coming off arguably the best season of his career. So it's reasonable he wants to get paid, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's just an automatic good idea for the Bills to extend him. But maybe it is. Where are you at on paying Poyer versus not paying Poyer and the future of the of that safety position? I am for paying Jordan Poyer a market contract in a vacuum. My bigger question is, where is the money coming from? Because it's, it's not a, it's a zero-sum game when it comes to this kind of thing. So the money's got to come from somewhere. I floated the idea on Twitter not too long ago that, you know, Tremaine Evans has a $12 million guaranteed cap hit this year. And if you told me that I could move Tremaine Edmonds for a day two pick and give that $12 million to Jordan Poyer and utilize that cap hit that way, I would do it. Now, this is not me, you know, pontificating about the fact that that will happen. I'm just saying that it has to come from somewhere. If it comes from my ability to be able to re-sign at Oliver, then I'm not interested anymore. So it depends on where you're getting the money from because it's not as simple as re-sign him or don't re-sign him. It's a matter of, okay, what's a market contract look like for Jordan Poyer? It's probably somewhere in the $15 million a year range for Jordan Poyer. Okay, if that's the question, where are you getting the money? And there's certain places where I'm okay getting the money, and there's certain places where I'm not okay getting the money. So, yes, in a vacuum, I think, yes, let's go ahead and give a, give a two-year, $30 million extension for Jordan Poyer. But it depends mostly where it's going to come out the other side. Is that a draft idea for you too? If you just if they come to a realization that what he wants, we just we can't do it. Like we'd love to, but we just can't swing it. Is that a position where you'd be drafting it or looking to draft it in like the second, third round, maybe even the first round? Is that on the table for you as a position you would add at, even while Poyer is still here? Yes, it is. Especially because I think that there's plenty of safeties you can take who can function this year in three safety sets and be slot defenders and can do things that would make them valuable while they're learning or valuable now if you decide to move on from Jordan Poyer. And that's a player like Daxton Hill from Michigan, who is unbelievably versatile. Like Michigan used him as a deep safety. They used him in split coverages. They used him as a slot defender. He's aggressive. He's an athlete. Probably wish he was a little bulkier. But all of the things that you want versatile safeties to do and one of the things that makes the Bills defense so good is the versatility of their safeties. All of those things are things that Daxton Hill could do. You know, if you get to Jaquan Brisker in the second round out of Penn State, you're completely okay with me on that front too. So I think the key is if you decide you're going to pull the trigger, you have to pull the trigger on qualitatively a safety who can do multiple things so that you feel comfortable either replacing Jordan Poyer next year or moving on from him in a trade. 
What is the number one jersey foul, according to uh, Bruce Nolan? What's the number one jersey foul? I don't know if you saw my picture last night of the of the the, the woman who had a half a Poso jersey, half Poyer jersey. I think that's got to be near the top of the list. But like jersey fouls, what comes to mind for you? Any jersey that looks like a Arena Football League jersey, those really horrendous old Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys that they're trying to move on from. Okay. Just some really bad, really bad versions of the Seattle Seahawks jerseys that look like they were just colored in by a four-year-old with a highlighter. <laughs> things like those things. I am all the way out on NFL jerseys that look like Arena jerseys. So if your team has a better jersey combination and you elect not to use it, yeah. that's a jersey foul. If I see a 2002, you know, uh, Buffalo Bills jersey, yes. looks, as we can all agree, terrible, right? But you had it modified with a current player, that is the absolute worst jersey foul because you could have done any other thing that you wanted to and you specifically chose that. that that's what makes it the worst jersey foul. That cannot be in existence, can it? Could there be a Josh Allen, like, Bledsoe-era Bills jersey out there? There has to be. Or, or a personalized one. No, there can't. Come on. There has to be. Have someone you seen one that. in I person? Did it. Have you seen I one in person? I've seen one in person, but I know they're out there. It's uh, like aliens. You know, we, we, I may not have <laughs> seen it, but I believe they could be there. <laughs> I'm going to put a poll up. More likely to be in existence. Aliens or a, uh, how, how would I phrase it? A, two, a 2002 Bills Josh Allen jersey? Or something yeah, like that. Era Josh oh, that would just be so horrendous. I hope that that's that would be. What would that be in like a Sabres context, Zach? That'd be like uh, a Tate. A well, who would be the guy? A Darlene Slug jersey or something like that. See now, if you went red and black, though, I mean, I'm Mister Red and Black on this, so I, I would support that wholeheartedly. That'd be cool. Um, but I think I agree with you that that I haven't seen. But if I saw it, I think that would shoot to number one on my list for like the worst Absolutely. jersey foul. Um, Bruce, thanks for taking so much of your time for us, man. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive, Buffalo Rumblings, and he'll be doing the Food for Thought podcast tonight, co-host with Nate Geary. They're going to have Connor Rogers of Bleacher, uh, Bleacher Report on, uh, so it'll be a good listen. Thanks, Bruce. That was Buffalo Rumblings podcast host Bruce Nolan. I'm Nate Geary. Zach Jones, we appreciate you listening this Saturday morning and into the afternoon. Thanks again to my guests this morning, Dan Fates of 13 Wham, DJ Bianami of the New York Daily News, Mark Schofield of the Touchdown Wire, and of course Alex Clancy of Locked on Cardinals. That'll do it for me for our... Um our local weekend coverage, we've got Sabres action tonight, 7 p.m. puck drop, 6 p.m. pregame. Uh, Kevin Adams, Sabres general manager, will be, will be with Brian Koziel and, uh, and of course, Paul Hamilton, so you won't want to miss that this evening. Uh, as we draw to our finality of the uh, NHL season, I can't believe we're, we're single-digit games away from the end of the season, so you won't want to miss pr- what is likely the final uh, pregame interview for Kevin Adams for the 2021-2022 season. For me, Nate Geary, Zach Jones, we appreciate you listening here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. 
Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.